but up, but up, but up, so on and so forth. The so to do means the mm. podcast is going. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, when when YouTubers say the doobly do, that's what they mean. Is it's, it's the little noise that they make to themselves when they're not sure if they're recording yet, uh, in yeah. order to see their wavelengths. True. I don't like that the opening slide says after accident. This is exactly <laughs> like the uh the uh, Texas school disaster that just said after explosion. Looking like my lower front teeth right here. There's a big gap. Do um, you have a big gap in your lower front teeth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have thought it was pretty noticeable. Like uh, if you go back and look at the like live show camera, you can see it. Oh, I, I got, I got like big like. You are. Oh, thank you. But I, I have like a big field goal thing going on there. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've never had to uh, be in the same room when both Ross and I are sweaty boys. Oh boy, <laughs> not to embarrass you, Ross, but like you and I are both big dudes, and we smell yeah. pretty hideous when we, we're when we, we're sweating. We do, we do sweat a lot. Can can, can, can you the listener like send some like nice soaps and fragrances, things of that nature, <laughs> to the PO box, please? Just uh, so that when we do do a live show together, like these guys will smell like you know something. Yeah, exactly. I will say, uh, the best part of having uh, a girlfriend, not the best part, literally, but one of the great parts about dating Corinne is that she's like, very gently like, oh, like, you should take a shower. Yeah, have you but considered all, washing your balls this year? Maybe. Hey, I shower <laughs> regularly. Thank you. Uh, but it's also like, she has all these smell good soaps and stuff. So I'll just be in the uh. shower, like lathering myself up. I'm wearing, I'm, I got that dove-sensitive skin, I'm just like, I am as lovely as a fresh-picked daisy. Now smell <laughs> my balls. Hello, and welcome to... <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast, podcast about balls, and, yes. and, the, and the washing there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a sponsorship from that soap company, yeah, Manscaped. Or, or yeah, Manscaped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. where are you at, boys? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. It's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, go. Uh, I am Alice Caldwell Kelly. I am the person who is talking now. My pronouns are she and her. You didn't say it. Yay, Liam! Yay, Liam. Uh, and with my uh, my my balls being all fresh and clean. Uh, hi, I'm Liam Anderson. My pronouns are he and him. Yeah, we're gonna start introducing after the um after the pronoun check. We're gonna start introducing a little ball smell check. So so we tell you how uh, no, what what I our balls smell. I know we've recorded like. when I've been pretty sweaty. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I'm not sweaty right now. Um, I, I've been drinking for a while, though. Mm. Yeah. I just cracked my first beer of the day, actually. Yeah, this is like my fourth <laughs> beer of the day, dude. Uh, all right. Oh, oh, I found a new, br- uh, new brand of Michelada. Not very good. Hmm. So, today we have lined up for you a classic. Um, it yeah, you, abs- you fuckers have requested this quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we we are nothing but like obedient servants of you, the viewers. So yes. one of one of the canonical engineering disasters. Uh, what you see on the front here is apparently two high piers. Hmm. But as a matter of fact, this used to be one continuous bridge. Uh oh. 
And then crossing the Firth of Tay. Ah, we're in. We're in. I have a home field advantage here because we're in Scotland. This is yeah, true. We have yes. to finally get around to a Scottish engineering disaster. Mm-hmm. Have we done a Scottish one before? I don't think we ever uh, have. I don't think. No, I don't think might so. be our first one. Huh, yeah. Wow. So today we're going to talk about the Tay Bridge disaster. But first, we have to do the goddamn news. You get a novel coronavirus, you get a novel coronavirus, and you get a novel coronavirus. I dumped it. Uh, Our boy did not. Uh, Roz is podcasting from beyond the grave. I actually did die of COVID last week as well. <laughs> I was editing the podcast. At no. this point, at this and point in the game, you should get. Haunting me and said, "Please give me my stuff back." <laughs> <laughs> you should get an achievement, like a little like badge or something, if you uh, have gone this far into the pandemic without getting COVID. And yeah, help baby. You, doubly <laughs> so if you live in the United States of America, because man, you guys are you're dropping the ball. I'll be honest with you. Suck it ass. Yeah. It's- it's, uh, I mean, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but it's absolutely disgraceful. The, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, make sure your bosses have a nice time because I, that's what this, uh, five days or less quarantine is. Uh, you know, if you are boosted, uh, I know that the, the, uh, in most cases from what I anecdotally, anecdotally, I just want to point that out. Uh, a lot of people are saying that it's not too bad if they're boosted and vaxxed. I have also seen people that have been uh, boosted and vaxxed. That's like, I feel worse than I ever have in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you haven't get uh, vaxxed, get boosted, uh, make sure that you're taking the necessary precautions. Make sure, again, that your family has a nice time. We are in the end times. Yeah, Remember, don't go out to Eric cyanide, Adams's New Year's cyanide inauguration. Capsule, cyanide capsules are under your seats. Uh-huh. Uh, what else we got? I <laughs> have two spit. things to say, um, which are, number one, I edited the last episode during the second worst day I had COVID symptoms. Mm. Right. We're so all very proud be, of you. Yes, everyone should be nice to me and thank me for my service. But also, uh, also to the PO box, please send some some various ball soaps, but also an order of Lenin. Number number two, number two is I was just weirded out by the complete lack of action when these numbers started going up. Oh yeah, I mean, no, the pandemic's were, over, dude. Pandemic's over. If mm-hmm. I were if I were Joe Biden, I would have. I would have, I would have gone ahead. I mean, no. If I were Joe Biden, then I'd be Joe Biden. I wouldn't do anything. But if <laughs> yeah, I were just pre- looking at some nice yeah. curtains, yeah. drooling yeah. a bit, yeah, absolutely. If I were president, I would have gone ahead and canceled Christmas and ordered NORAD to shoot down Santa. Just to they should have done. It is a failure from the like top. the Czechs did. The Czech army posted a video where they shot down Santa because, in the Czech tradition, presents are delivered by the infant baby Jesus. So they have they they put out this uh, like PR video where they shoot down Santa with a surface-to-air missile. Nice. You know you gotta you gotta you gotta be um you, you gotta be strict about people violating your airspace. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you can't be like the Swiss where you have an air force that only has office hours. So anyway, uh, my advice to all y'all is uh, try to avoid getting COVID. It doesn't seem possible at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, you best. You're gonna get it. <laughs> yeah. Do but your I, best, Anna. Uh, hmm. Give it the old college try. That's all I can say. 
And I mean, the the the, the thing that, that like amuses me about this is Capital now finally being like, oh, you, you wouldn't hit me. I'm just a little birthday boy. Where it's like, <laughs> listen, you, you you wouldn't stay off work for ten days because you had the novel coronavirus, would you? Because if you did that, that would totally destroy the economy. And, and this caused pretty much every communist I know to begin looking at each other like the sickos meme. Yeah, it's about to say, you know, you, 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 I wonder how much this is like, we're trying to keep Starbucks open versus we're trying to keep the power plants running. Mm. Right. <laughs> well, yes. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't, worry, don't worry about it. Just uh, don't get COVID. If you do get COVID, <laughs> go to work. And, you know, because it's important <laughs> for you to keep the Starbucks running. Yeah, exactly. Um, in other news... Uh, uh, Tesla has recalled 475,000 cars, I want to say. Is that not is a, a about good, it's a good proportion. Yeah, it's about half the cars. Yeah, it's a good proportion of all the cars that they have sold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm thinking back to the people who got mad at us for making fun of Elon Musk because, you know, he makes something, right? And it's like, well... He delivered 500,000 last year, for what it's worth. I, I make uh -huh. something. It's called a podcast. That's right, um, and we we only have to recall. Uh, we recall very few of these. I haven't uh, recalled any of them. We've recalled one that we don't talk about. Mm. <laughs> Wait, why don't we talk about it? I don't remember that one. Was it the one where one of us said a slur? Uh, no, that's the one that was only slurs. Actually, yeah, we, ah, we all, okay. yeah the yeah. only slurs, the slur extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. Said some really unkind things about <laughs> each other's peoples. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, well, there's your problem, the Balkans. It was a weird episode. Over time, repeated opening and closing of the trunk lid may cause excessive wear... Not a thing wear, you do every day or anything. No, of course not. May, ...may cause excessive wear to a cable that provides the rear-view camera feed, says a safety recall report submitted by Tesla to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration in the U.S. on... Uh, uh, 21st of December. That's right? some really bad wiring. I yeah. was going to say, there seem to be a lot of issues with these well, there's Tesla There's a lot of things finish issues. Right. Yeah, certainly. no kidding. Well, uh, I, I, it, it's another instance of this this car sort of being built with um, California brain. You know, mm, it seems, seems to be like a common problem with these. You know, okay, so like one of the problems that Teslas have with their trunks, I forget which model this is, but the trunks, when they open, if you open it in the rain, all the water slides off the trunk, uh, trunk lid into the trunk, right? <laughs> that so, rolls. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how these things are in the snow, but you know, they don't have not don't good because the batteries yeah. don't work. Well, that's also true. I, these, these don't. They're not all weather vehicles, is what I'm saying. No, when we were, <laughs> I was in California over the. Oh, uh, I mean, I was in an. You remember the uh, the London the Fire undisclosed episode? location? Yeah, yeah I was in California uh, with my girlfriend and her family, and we saw obviously a a just huge amount of Teslas. And I always thought, like, even in the Northeast where we don't really have winter anymore because of global uh, climate change, I still wouldn't trust this on like a fifteen degree day, hmm. or like when it does eventually snow. Yeah, or or if it rains. Hmm. Another thing they don't really have in California. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right before this happened, Elon Musk sold a bunch of Tesla stock, yes. something which should be, again, wildly illegal and is just not. 
so that's fun. I don't know how this would affect the value of the company, considering uh, number one, their stock value is tied to nothing. Number mm. two, the company exists to sell uh, tax credits, and yeah, that's that's true. sort of you know a side business, right? Um, mm. Well, in this economy, we all have to have side hustles, right? This is true. Yeah. Make your passion your job, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, yeah. and I, did. I end up having to talk about how my balls smell. Delightful, <laughs> by the way, but still. I'll do my balls smell, actually. You know, Wait, waiting for this. an update here. Yeah, oh, I'm going to do God. this on air. Good lord. That's, well, <laughs> yeah. I have shared many hotel rooms with you, and you have seen me do some pretty gross stuff. I am glad that this podcast is not presented in smell of vision. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to New Orleans at some point together. You, Roz, you are going to have to smell my balls. This. <laughs> n- no. That was the goddamn news. Well, let's talk about the Cray Cray Bridge. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I thought we'd start with some context. Oh, right? no. We love to start with context on the show, though. Yes. We love to learn. Yes, learning is good. So uh, we got to talk about like expansion of railways in Victorian Britain, right? Oh, wow. Something okay. called railway mania. Roz, isn't that just you on like a Tuesday guy? <laughs> why, why is this guy to the right of the sign? Has he been buried up to the waist? Uh, possibly. I mean, they put these railways they put these yeah. railways up pretty quick. He may have just been standing in the wrong place when the embankment went up. <laughs> like when cars, uh, when they put new asphalt down and the cars just get like left in them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so they invented capitalism in Britain, right? Yes. Sorry. Nothing, Alice. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and as such, it was a location of some, uh, not the earliest, but certainly early speculative bubbles, right? Yeah, the South Sea Trading Company, Tulip Mania, yeah. things of this nature. Yes. Um, now, the Liverpool and Manchester Railway opened in 1830. It was the first intercity railway um, carrying passengers and goods, right? Before that, most railways had been like, you know, special single purpose like tramways there's one in massachusetts that that i think was just for like a quarry or something yeah there's a bunch of like welsh quarry tramways and stuff at this point yeah Yeah, so the business model here uh turned out to work pretty good right um but people didn't really invest in it because the economy was in sort of a slump in the 1830s Hmm. Uh, by the 1840s this was no longer the case um the bank of england lowered rates right and so capital started searching for a return on investment, right? Best way to do it seemed to be railways, right? Yeah. Whereas now it's like various companies that do things as a joke. Uh, yes. Like uh, Bitcoin. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Railways were sort of the Bitcoin of their era. Um, <laughs> Locomotive so, with a big bored ape on the front of it. Yes. Who's smoking for some reason. Mm. So... Railways at Britain were almost completely unregulated. They were often highly unprofitable, but uh, everyone invested in them anyway, right? Not just rich people, but the sort of emerging middle class, right? Because they had retail investors. Yeah, they had <laughs> access to like uh, stock markets. They uh, there were a lot of newspapers now, so people could advertise their railway project really easily, right? Old school Robin Hood source. Mm-hmm. Trust me, bro. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
incorporating a railway and petitioning parliament to authorize that railway was incredibly easy, right? Um, so by the 1840s, tens of thousands of miles of railway were authorized by parliament, right? And, and some of those miles were even built. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of these railways sort of went from, you know, nowhere to nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them were clearly fraudulent schemes, you know, uh, and it was a you know, standard bubble, right? Are you suggesting um, that there may have been some corruption in British political life at this time? Uh, no, no, no. It's perfectly legal for a member of parliament to own stock in a railway company that they are authorizing via act of parliament. That's oh, normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and especially when you're like in a, in a rotten borough that you've bought your seat and it has like two voters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's two voters and it's soon to have 45 railways. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's called freedom of choice, Roz. Yes. <laughs> so a few profitable lines survived, and we're going to talk about one of them in a bit, which was the North British Railway, right? Okay. Um, now, in order to build your railway, you need actual engineering works, right? Yeah, you need uh, to bury like, that guy. Yeah, you need to bury the guy. You have to make your sacrifice, yes. Particularly, you know, big fill. You know, you might not want to fill, you might want a bridge. Is, right? big, fill, is big Phil the guy's name? Yeah, that's Big Phil. That's Big it's Phil. Big Phil. Big Phil, ironically buried in a big fill. <laughs> he's like the wicker man, you know? You have yeah. to have a guy, like, sacrifice to the embankment yeah. for each railroad, yeah. It's right. like building the Great Wall of China, where they buried the workers in the, in the, in the wall. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. That didn't actually happen, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, they got dumped outside in ditches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so this is, uh, so they had to build bridges, right? Um, this is the Meldon, uh, Meldon Viaduct, which is near Oakhampton in uh, Devon. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Friend of the show. Yes. Yes. Um, so in the United States, for like big rail railroad engineering works, the material of choice was either stone or wood. Right? Wood was the more economical option because there was a lot of it around. Mm. Um. We had already cut down all of our wood to make ships in like the fucking God knows when. Well, the talk of the new forest. It was mm -hmm. not just ships, it was also charcoal for iron working, right? Ah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Britain was almost clear cut. So your choices for bridges were either stone or iron, with iron being the more economical choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um... So this results in an explosion in like new bridge designs, right? Bridges that scan gaps that people previously thought unbridgeable, and they all had some you know similar qualities, right? A lot of them were very very lightweight. Um, Go back and listen to our very first episode, uh, yes. the Silver Bridge. bridge. Yes, um, you know, and these um, certainly lightweight by modern standards, because um, foundries didn't have the capability of like rolling really large girders like we have today. Uh, most structural elements had to be sort of small, spindly little things, right? Yeah, uh, I-beams and stuff. Yeah, uh, not even I-beams. We couldn't really, you, you did, an I-beam would be composed of like a plate and like oh, four wow. L sections. Um, <laughs> Do not like and that. And they'd all be riveted together. Uh, so you have lots of trussing, you have lots of small elements joined together rather than one big column right um you know everything you know you had you had some uh 
some pros to this, which were, you know, um, all this was very easy to manufacture and it could be put mm-hmm. together by just some guys rather some than dudes. the big trade, right? But look uh, at this as you're assembling a bridge. Just guys being lads. Yes. And then you all have scurvy and die. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Um, but it's also very, very labor intensive, right? And it was complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you okay. also have, you know, you need lots and lots of rivets. That's your other thing. You don't have welding at Are this point. Are we doing point. hot rivets that they just fling at each other still? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's still going on. Being a riveter is, is good work if you can get it. Um, and you have fairly primitive engineering calculations for determining like the loads on a structure, right? And you don't necessarily know how, you know, the structure is going to be loaded. You know, you don't have ideas about, you know, calculating for wind loads or earthquake loads, stuff like that. Right. No, it's just vibes instead. Pretty much. It's, it's largely vibes. Love to calculate my load with a vibe, if you will. Very Hmm. big factor. Um, vibes up till, the 1860s, really. <laughs> it's like, you know what? It feels good to me. Build it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's um, just like listening to the, like putting your ear to the iron and being like, tell me your secrets. <laughs> mm, sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, one popular sort of structure or structural element in the Victorian era in Britain was something called the lattice girder, right? So that's like this section up here. Right. Uh-huh. This is the Bennerley Viaduct, which is near Nottingham over the River Airwash. Stupid that's not, country. That's not a real name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say this is some from Pennsylvania. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the lattice girder, right? Rather than a conventional truss, right? Which, you know, maybe you would have just these triangles here, right? These, those are bad triangles. Or, or maybe, maybe it would be cross braced like this with vertical sections, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots of different forms of trusses. The lattice girder instead has lots and lots of diagonal sections. They're, they're all very small, and there's a whole lot of them, and they're sort of interwoven in a lattice. Right? It's redundancy. What's yeah, not so like Department of Redundancy Department. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and you have you, you, you there's so. There's some pros to this uh, design, which, you know, it uses a lot less material than a bigger truss, right? Um, it's easier to fabricate the pieces, you know, because it's just a lot of, you know, bars with holes drilled in them, right? Uh, again, some guys can just put it up. Um, oh, that's, that's for the, the bridge, the Super Ligaria bridge. <laughs> those are speed holes, Ross. Yeah, and those pros, those are pros back in the Victorian era. Today, today it would be very, very expensive to do this. Um, much cheaper to just roll a big girder, right? Gotcha. Mm. Um, but back then, labor was cheap and material was expensive, right? And they couldn't really fabricate a really large girder. So this lightweight, complicated structure was the way to go, right? Um, and it's a good design. There's still a whole bunch of them around. Um, but there's also a whole bunch of them which are no longer around, which we'll, <laughs> we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and some of your later lattice trusses were built with thicker members and a single lattice rather than many interlaced ones. So you just had the X's um, and we'll we'll see that in a second. Right. Mm. Uh, now, another piece of context here is is metallurgy at the time. Right. Um, so 
in the Victorian era, particularly in the <coughs> earlier parts. Oh, yes, plague. Yeah, yeah it, it, getting the, the, getting COVID back to back consecutively. Yeah. Every time Plus we record, right, yeah. you get infected COVID with novel chair. coronavirus. Yeah, you got double secret COVID. <laughs> um, <laughs> Double secret reverse backflip novel coronavirus. Yeah. Yes. So, in the Victorian era, a lot of these iron forges, they weren't like massive, you know, ironworks or steel mills. They're sort of smaller operations, right? And the products varied in quality, right? Makes sense. Um, so today, you like trust right, Jim Jim's Forge. Yeah. Yes. No, it's it's Jeff with a G. Excusable. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, today we use terms like wrought iron and cast iron to describe basically the same thing. You know, it's all mostly ornamental iron work when it's talked about today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back then, there was a very distinct difference between the two. Uh, Cast iron is the sort of high carbon, brittle iron, which was very good in compression. But um, bad intention, right? Cast iron is is what we think of today as cast iron, right? Um, so, and this this was good structurally only for like columns and things that bear a load, maybe parts of an arch, right? Um, but wrought iron was something a lot more similar to what we would now call mild steel, right? Um, it's, it has a low carbon content. It was very good intention. And it's produced by working the iron, right? So, you know, you'd get this sort of uh, iron with a high slag content out of... What um, did you just call me? Oh, you heard him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that slutty iron. Yeah. <laughs> you get that... Slapping the side of the iron and just moans. And you're just like, uh. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you would do with it to get the slag out. Uh, mm-hmm. oh. Yes. Uh, Alice, try not yep. to be that excited, buddy. You, <laughs> you take what's called bar iron out of, um, I think it was a puddling furnace, um, you know, and you sort of you'd heat it oh, up. Water sports up, play. The, the, <laughs> the, the 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 blacksmith would hit it with a hammer, and just work it until all of the non-iron came out of it. That, that could be done by hand by a blacksmith. It could also be done by a mechanical rolling machine later on, right? Um, so that's wrought iron. It's called rot because it's worked, and rot is an old way of saying work. Mm-hmm. What hath God rot, sure. Yes. Yeah. In this case, meaning what hath God hit with a hammer? Just constantly, right? It looks like one of those old communist posters. <laughs> <laughs> so transportation is not super great. Mines weren't really big or centralized, so material quality sort of varied by locality, right? Um, you know, iron ore is like everywhere. Um, the earth is a big ball of iron, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but today in modern times, we sort of limit iron ore extraction to where it's economically recoverable, right? You find the biggest piece of iron ore that's the easiest to get at rather than just, you know, going out in your backyard and finding a cool rock and then trying to hit it with a hammer until it turns to steel. Um, Where do we mine iron for the most part? Um, a lot of it's in Australia. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch in northern Scandinavia. Uh, there's a bunch in Africa. Uh, there, there's still a bunch in the Upper Peninsula, but uh, labor costs mean we don't really uh, 
do that. Upper Peninsula of Michigan, Michigan I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, I don't know exactly where else. Um, that's just what I know offhand. It's more than I knew offhand, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, also the fact that so much uh, American uh, steelmaking has uh, moved overseas means you know you lose the transport cost efficiency of pulling iron out of the Upper Peninsula and then just shipping it to you know Chicago or uh, to, to to be um, turned into steel, Chicago or mm. Cleveland. Um, there's still, uh, the Gary works is still in operation, but that's like the, the only integrated mill on the great lakes. I think, um, integrated meaning they turn steel into steel from iron ore as, a, as right. opposed to turning steel into steel. Um, so anyway, back in the day, you could, you could dig up iron from any old place and people did that, right? Uh, and then they smelted it, right? So that means there's some pretty wide differences in quality depending on where iron was mined and smelted, just owing to different compositions of ores, different local techniques. Um, and, you know, there's no, there's no consolidation in the industry. There's not necessarily widely accepted best practices. Uh, you're on your own, right? Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're selecting metals, you know, I, I, theoretically, you could tour the country and try and find the best, you know, quality iron out there. Uh, more likely, there's one guy who does the work, and you just trust that guy and right. hope he hope he's not a moron. Mm -hmm. He's probably a moron. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's impossible to find good metal um, unless you really know what you're doing. Um, now, let's look at a guy who knows what he's doing. This is hmm. Sir Thomas Bush. <laughs> okay. Terrific name. Yeah. Right. Uh he wasn't a sir at the time. We'll we'll get to this. Just plain old Thomas Bush. Thomas Bush. Do, do you think do you think guys like in the Victorian era when people still got knighted pretty regularly were like, man, I really gotta work in my field because my name just doesn't sound right without a sir in front of it? I, I mean, yeah, I, it, you definitely definitely need the sir for this guy. Yeah, that, it, it really needs to, it, like, yeah, it doesn't come into it. So, like, there's some names where I feel like you just need a title in front of them, otherwise it just doesn't work. You, and you need yeah. to be, like, a doctor or something, and this is yeah. one of them. Um, so he is, you know, a sort of typical Victorian railway engineer. He's also inventor of the Roro Ferry. Oh, um, cursed bastard. Kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Take him off and kill him. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, when when he was buried, they left the grave open by accident, and it just filled <laughs> up with water the next time it rained. <laughs> so he had a a reputation for very economical yet high quality uh, railway right of way, right? And he let uh, he, his his work allowed a lot of railways to get built at sort of the tail end of railway mania that may have otherwise been uneconomical. Oh, interesting. Uh, one of the lines that was specifically mentioned when I was looking them up is the uh, the railway that goes to a place called Peebles, which I thought oh, was fuck. very funny. Where is, where is Peebles? Peebles is uh, like... Um, that's my, that was one of my ex's nicknames for me. It, it's near <laughs> it was, Edinburgh. It stood, it stood for Panda Babels. Yeah, it's, it's like Borders, isn't it? Ah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. The, 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 like the, That's pretty obscure, too. So It's... So um, you, yeah. Um, now, very few of his structures survive today. Um, huh. 
and you might you might ask why um, why Roz? Well, they had very low they had lower weight limits because they were built pretty cheaply. They a lot of them were structures on marginal lines which were closed in the '60s, right? But also for some reasons we'll get into soon. Here's here's one of his uh, stone bridges. Here, this one is still up. This is the Houndsgill Viaduct. Um, this oh. one. This one is Looks interesting nice. because, yeah, it's, it's very nice. It's very light. You got very narrow stone piers on this one. And what's mm. interesting is uh, the, way, the reason he's able to keep them so narrow is that below ground, there's actually another set of arches, inverted arches, that mm. spread the load out into the ground. Oh, that's <laughs> clever. That is yeah. genius. Hmm. Okay, so this guy, he's a land of contrast, because he does something that smart, but then he also invents the uh, the roll-on, roll-off roll ferry. ferry. Yeah, yeah. And I'm know, sorry, was this design yeah. sort of a mass-produced one, or is no, this just... This is a one-off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. beginner's sure. luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about a, a railway that uh, used his, uh, his, his designs pretty... Uh, Pretty extensively. Oh, here's here's Peebles on the map right here. By the way, oh, okay. Um, Peebles is also a store. It's very helpful. At least in central Pennsylvania. So, this uh, this is the North British Railway Company, right? Uh, yeah, a, North North British is a kind of like a early Victorian affectation for Scotland. It was yes. like a a particular thing, like after Union and like uh, oh. the late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds, to be like, oh, I'm not in fact Scottish. I'm North British. North British, yes, that's mm-hmm. it's a, it's definitely a term that has some more go to it, as the Victorians would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so now. This is a, a pre-Grouping Act railway, right? Uh, the Grouping Act was in 1922, I want to say, that consolidated all the, uh, the entire British uh, railway network into four private companies, um, you know, which pe- may, may, people may be more familiar with. The London, Midland, and Scotland, the London and Northeastern Railway, the Great Western Railway, and the other one. Um, <laughs> the other one. Yeah, I, I forget what the other one is. Um, hmm. Uh, so, uh, not sure. All right, so I'm not super familiar with any of the pre-grouping railways, so bear with me here if I screw some stuff up. There's um, a billion of them too. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. as we have heard, there have been so many of them that just like were invented as various like tax avoidance schemes. schemes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the North British Railway was headquartered in Edinburgh, right? And it was uh, uh, authorized by Act of Parliament 1844 to build from Edinburgh mm-hmm. to a place called Berwick. Now, Berwick on Tweed. I think right? you say Berwick, but Berwick. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's a town that's like half in England, half in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Right, um, yes. And then at Berwick, they would connect with the Newcastle and Berwick Railway, right? Which would get them down to Newcastle, right? Um, and from there, there's another railway I don't know which one it is that got you all the way down to London, right? Have we considered simply doing an entirely straight line right of way? There were several of those proposed during Railway Mania. Of course there were. <laughs> yes, we know. Straight line, best line. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, most of those, those are about the only ones that got their um, uh, acts of parliament rejected because they were so clearly infeasible and no members of parliament were invested in them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
anyway, so, you know, they got down to Barrick. Um, they had an issue because the Tweed River ran through Barrick and their terminal was on one side of the river and the other railway's terminal was on the other side. So for a long time, the, 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 everyone just had to get in like a cab. Well, it wasn't like a cab. It was 1844. I, I don't know what you'd like a handsome cab. A handsome yeah. cab, yeah. yes. And, and, and go across the river and then get on the other train. This was not a ideal situation, right? Um, and there was actually another break almost identical in Newcastle. So this is not a direct route to London. Um, in the meantime, there was a second railway in Scotland, the, a Caledonian railway, right? Caledonian Railway. Caledonian. Caledonian. Is it Caledonian? All yeah, because right, well, Caledonia. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excuse me. I've, I've unacceptable. The, the, the Caledonian Railroad is Cal- like it, it ships kale to, to Glasgow. <laughs> yeah. So the Caledonian Railway was building from Edinburgh to Glasgow, and then their next idea was they were going to go down to Carlisle, right? Because hmm. if they go down to Carlisle, they can connect to the London and Northwestern Railway. Um, with a direct track connection, and then they can have a direct train all the way to London, right? Yeah, that plus yeah. everyone wants to go to Carlisle. Uh, that's been like the abiding sort of impulse in British railway building is, yeah, you want to go to Carlisle, right? Yeah, you got to go to Carlisle. Yeah. Um, and and so they they got their act of Parliament, I believe, in eighteen forty five, right? And so they uh, they started building. They got down to Carlisle. They got their through trains. North British Railway sees this happening, and they also build. They build from Edinburgh down to Carlisle, and they try to make a deal with another railway that's there. And uh, Caledonian uh, intercepts that deal and stops it from happening. And that line was almost useless to them until 1875, when the Midland Railway built the settle in Carlisle uh, up to Carlisle, as the name would imply right, the name yeah yeah that's and, what it says on the tin. and then finally there was a north british railway through train to london right um but that's that took a long time hmm. um and in the meantime they started aggressively expanding their network north of edinburgh right including most of the stuff up here between the firth of forth and the firth of tay Right. Yeah. This is this is slightly before the period in which the the topography, the demography of Scotland becomes like everybody lives in Glasgow, Edinburgh, in between those two in the central belt, yeah. and everything either side is empty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, like obviously the Highlands are still you know sparsely populated, but you have a lot of like smaller cities that are more um, sort of like economically viable and more populous. What they really wanted to do is they wanted to get their own line up here to Aberdeen, right? And there were a couple ways to do this, which would be either to go around the Firths, right, which is indirect, or you go over the Firths, right, Mm. which is hard. Now, we need to ask the question, what's a Firth? It's a river. It's Okay. Well, I didn't know that. (laughs) It's It's a river estuary. It's a it's an estuary, right. except with bagpipes and haggis and kilts. Yeah, it's, it's an estuary, but it's on the front of a tin of like um, fudge or whatever. Yeah, yeah. sure, okay, uh, shortbread. Uh, yeah, Firths Ooh, only shortbread. Um, there's Firths in Scotland. I think there's one Firth in like Norway. 
and then there's one in New Zealand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's a it's a river estuary. It's big, it's wide, it's fairly shallow. There's like lots of fish and birds Mood. live in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um there's uh you know there's very have, handy for shipping, which is why Glasgow and like Clydebank are, are good places to build ships because you can just go up the Firth of Clyde. But uh yeah, uh, in terms of like crossing it, that fucking sucks. Pretty irritating, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times they have some pretty high winds, you know, because right. Scotland has that sort of, you know, windy mm-hmm. climate, you know. Yep. It, oh. it 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 do be fucking windy up here. I will say that. Um, you know, so the North British Railway had a few options uh in its early days, which either go off stream and cross at Perth, right, for the 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 Firth of Tay. Right, which is mm-hmm. one option they did fairly early on as they built up to Perth, not Australia. This is Perth, Scotland. Um, <laughs> another part was to cross at a wider point, point near where more people lived, right? In this place, near Dundee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Thomas Bush gets involved, right? Uh, he designs the first row row ferry to take trains across the Firth. Here's a, a woodcutting of it here, right? Horrifying. Um, no, thank you. This one's uh, actually so, so, sooner die. Don't like um, that. This one's actually on the fourth and not the uh, the uh, the first of fourth and not the first of Tay, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there was uh, a rail ferry at both locations. Um, uh, just throw me in the safe. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just swim. The main thing going on here is rather than taking the goods off the train cars. And putting them on the boat, or taking the passengers off the train cars and putting them on the boat. Um, Thomas Bush designed this movable bridge, which could hook directly onto the boat, and then you could take the train cars and just roll them on the boat, right? Mm-hmm. And then the boat goes to a similar thing on the other side of the river, and you roll everything off again. So this is much faster than you know transloading all of the goods and passengers it's still pretty slow though because you got to break the train into sections in order for it to fit on the boat right sure yeah so a better solution was a bridge right and by the 1870s it seemed technically possible so the north british railway decides to go for it and and thus we get the tay bridge right sure Mm -hmm. So they had Very curvy. Curve. I like this. There's yeah. there's actually just Very imaginatively one, named too. One oh, yeah. curve. Right. Uh and then the rest of it is straight. Mm. I, I really like these really spindly trusses here. <laughs> like the, the It looks the, it looks rickety. And I, I say that does. in like uh, yeah, no, it's uh, for primarily like vibes based engineering situation, the vibes here atrocious. I believe in that region they call it shoogly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it looks shoogly, absolutely. Uh, you don't know the half of it. Alright, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was necessary to cross the Firth of Tay for the North British Railway to the most direct route to Aberdeen. At the same time, they were also considering replacing the rail, the rail ferry over the Firth with a bridge. They commissioned Thomas Booth to Thomas Bush to do both of them, right? Mm. Um, they chose a site just west of the town of Dundee, right? This is looking south from the town of Dundee. Um, 
to be for what was going to be the longest bridge in the world, right? Uh oh, cursed by man's hubris. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm hubris cursing. Just under two miles long. Um, they Snowed. start. Yeah, so they <laughs> start building in 1871, and problems start to arise very quickly. Oh. Of course. So, as is traditional. Yeah. Is this going to yeah. be some Sagrada Familia shit? Or, uh... So, Bush chose a design uh, based on lattice trusses, right? There would be these sort of shorter sections here with lattice trusses underneath the rail, right? Where the bridge was lower and it had more piers. And then where the bridge had to be higher to keep the navigation channel clear, it would be a, a through truss. The train would go through the truss, right? Um, and that was, uh, those were longer and uh, stronger sections, right? Sure. Um, so there were trial borings performed to determine where the bedrock was, right? To figure out how to build the bridge. And it mm-hmm. indicated early on that the bedrock is pretty shallow here. It's going to be real easy to, you know, just build some nice brick piers, right? Uh, and it'd be easy to build a whole bunch of them, right? Uh, I so, noticed that these do not look like brick piers, uh, however. Yes, that turns mm-hmm. out to be because the borings were all wrong. Uh-oh. What they thought Dirt was... scientists, <laughs> <Yeah>. once again, <laughs> fucking up. Yes, what, what they thought was bedrock turned, about, th- turned out to be like a, a thin layer of gravel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, we, we found a single rock, uh, therefore, you know, it's bedrock. Yeah, so so they had to lighten up the bridge a whole lot. So ah, uh, the the bridge super lagaria, yes, yes. <laughs> so the, the 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 bridge goes from having stone piers to having cast iron piers. Uh, this is something Thomas Bush had done several times before in other parts of Britain. Uh, you know, it wasn't like impossible or like a crazy idea, right? Um, sure. But he does try some innovative new methods, keep costs down, right? Okay. Uh-oh. So, Bush goes for this hexagonal design, right, for the piers at the uh, high girders, right? Those are the ones that are going to be relevant today. Okay. Um, so it's hexagonal, which, um, you know, there's, there's, there's cross-bracing at each face. Um, there's some cross-bracing that makes a square in the middle. Notably, there's no cross-bracing all the way across. That doesn't exist. Um, and yeah, there's six columns per pier. They're anchored into the first two courses of masonry in that pier by big, uh, hold down bolts, bolts, they were called, right? Mm. Um, and the pier itself was built in a caisson that was sunken into the river until it reached quote unquote bedrock. It's actually the the gravel. Until Uh, it reached gravel. Bed gravel. Bed gravel. Yeah. Uh, Bush thought it would work and in fairness all those piers are still there so i guess it did um, you're just in the case on you can you can <laughs> feel it sliding around on the gravel <laughs> <laughs> uh, but because of these uh bedrock issues right or lack thereof in order to reduce costs further he, he wants to build fewer piers right so he increases the length of all the lattice girders to uh, 245 feet per span right 
Very, just very. It, that's great bridge engineering is just getting annoyed and bored yeah. and just going, yeah, just, just, just. You know, Keep in mind the bridge is under construction when all these redesigns happen. Uh, <laughs> so these are cast iron columns, uh, cast in sections, right? Um, so this is, I forget which pier this is, but you can see here's a section here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven sections, right? Mm -hmm. Um uh, you, know, you know, there's connections between all these different sections, you know, it's, uh, it's all kinds of stuff going on here. Um, now, the connection between the actual columns and the bridge were only fixed at three locations. Oh, uh, right? that sounds like too few. Everything else was on rollers to allow it's... for thermal expansion, right? Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. But I, I thought I, you told me, Justin, this is like what you want to do in a bridge. I remember you telling me that you mm -hmm. want to make it less rigid so that it can flex. Yes, yes, that's actually that's actually a good thing. This is a well engineered part of the bridge. We're going to get to some of the parts okay. which maybe weren't right. Ah, okay. But these these high girders uh, were three sections in total that were it moved independently of each other. Right. Um. Another notable part is that one of them had a significant downward grade toward, towards uh, Dundee, right? The bridge was mostly level, but then started to slope downwards towards Dundee. Hmm. Um, now, so once they had settled on the design of the bridge, the foundry, which was in Cardiff, I believe, uh, went bankrupt. Oh, good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jeff's Jeff Steele has yeah, like gone Jeff's, out of business. Jeff's, yeah. Jeff's foundry has finally <laughs> bitten the dust. R.I.P. Um, so this work was then instead contracted out to Hopkin Gilkson Company, right? Oh, they sound country. And they had a high quality locomotive and ironworks in Middlesbrough, and they had also previously worked with Bush, right? Yeah, Hopkins, Gilk, and Bush. Yes. A normal well, I, I, set of names for a normal country. I think Bush also had some kind of financial interest in the company. Oh, that's a, oh, it's all on the up and up, baby. Yeah. Well, instead of using their uh, foundry at Middlesbrough, they instead decided to use a different foundry in Warmit, right? Mm. Warmit being the south end of the bridge. Right, N nice and easy to transport stuff. Yeah, transport costs, baby. Sure, they're working with different uh, local labor now, right? But they kept mm -hmm. all their iron suppliers, right? And the Warmit iron workers didn't like that, right? They uh, complained about uh, what they referred to as Cleveland iron, right? Um, mm -hmm. Cleveland here is the area around Middlesbrough. It's not Cleveland, Ohio. Um, <laughs> So, but but they were like, why why do we have to use all the shitty Cleveland iron? Yeah, spiritually instead, the same. Yeah, instead of good Scotch metal, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and and this foundry produced all kinds of quality control issues, right? Um, so uh, the castings were sort of uneven, bad thickness. This is mostly in the columns where the problems were. Um, the foreman on the job considered, you know, if if there's a cosmetic deficiency or what he thinks is a cosmetic de deficiency with the column, 
that was filled with something called Beaumont egg. Right? Oh, I, Would, excuse me. That sounds bad. The Beaumont egg is a corruption of a French word, which sounds like Beaumont egg, right? Uh, sure. And it's a filler used in furniture making, right? Um, it's essentially Victorian Bondo, right? Oh, great. Yeah. Terrific. Yes. Well, this, this does solve my weight savings problem. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. mostly fiberglass. <laughs> yeah. You guys know how the Corvette is built? It's kind of yeah. like that. I just think it's like, this thing is, this thing is like iron filings and beeswax. Um, Held together by spitting prayers, yeah. I think there's actually right. some boot polish in there, too, or something like that. <laughs> to get the color right. For, yeah, for extra racism. <laughs> yes. Um, so, there were some issues in the construction of the columns. We'll get to a really big one in a minute. Um, but... No one, no one was really supervising this foundry very well, and there were all kinds of like little problems going on constantly. Quality mm. control was just not good. Um, and a few accidents occurred during construction. Uh, notably, two of the high girders, like the full sections, right, were dropped into the firth while they were lifting them into place. Whoops. Yeah. That's fine. I have no idea. I couldn't figure out if anyone was killed in the construction of the bridge or not. I'm oh, going probably. to assume probably. in this era. Probably. Yes. 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 Just not worth recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know, it's just some Scots, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so they started in 1871. You remember that, you know, in this era, big structures tend to go up pretty quickly. Um, not this one. It was finished in on June first, eighteen seventy eight. When had they started building it again? Eighteen seventy one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It took a full seven years. Um, here's here's a picture from the Warmit side. You can see where they started with the brick pillars, uh, and then stopped. <laughs> so. The North British Railway could now achieve its dream of linking Edinburgh to Aberdeen, which it still never quite did. Um, <laughs> getting more and more of the way there every yeah, day. Yeah, we got to get like the old SEFTA slogan. We're getting there. We're getting there, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, this was a single track bridge. You can see the train going here. Um, and it had a, a primitive form of block signaling called, oh, wow. uh, yeah. It was, uh, there was a token. Right. So can you guess how the non-fungible token? Can you guess how the token worked? Yeah, you uh, you, you paid you some Ethereum for an eight and you... So in order to control access on the bridge, when you're on the train, you go up to the signal box and you stop, and the signal man hands you a thing. Sure, a, a picture of an ape smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, it's some kind of some kind of wood carving of a primate of some kind. Yes, mm -hmm. and then you I are authorized to travel across the bridge to the other end, where you hand off the wood carving of the ape to the other signal man, and they both record that the train has gotten on and off the bridge. They telegraph each other. To make yeah, sure the bridge distributed is ledger, yes, which is kept on the blockchain. Absolutely, it has no child pornography on it. Mm -hmm. There was quite literally a ledger in each tower that had to be like um, 
correlated yeah, is, at the end of the this day. Is, this <laughs> is a distributed ledger. Like it, it is an example of like achieving consensus through distributed ledgers. So this is Bitcoin. Um, Pretty much. So, yeah. so sorry about this. You can find historical parallels everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, in 1879, June of 1879, Queen Victoria traveled over the bridge. Uh, and she have to like use the ape token? Uh, no, that's for the driver. The uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So stupid and, country. She, she's the queen. She outranks him. Good point. Yeah. She, 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 she could just travel over the bridge without authorization and smash. Did you know the queen doesn't need a passport? Mm. Mm -hmm. Do, mm. You know the queen doesn't need a wood carving of an ape to cross <laughs> the, the Tay Bridge? <laughs> so, so as a result of her travel over the bridge, she was so impressed that she knighted Sir Thomas Bush. And he's like, finally. Yes. I, I sound normal now. Now, there were some issues with this single track operation, right? Um, local trains were usually delayed for express trains going across the bridge. Um, now, for southbound trains, tough luck, you're delayed. Northbound trains, and you can see where the bridge slopes down here, northbound trains could make up time, right? Mm. Because they would go at regular, they, they would, um, after being delayed, they would then go down the bridge, pick up as much speed as possible, and then right. use the gradient to get even more speed coming into Dundee, nice. and then just stop at the last minute. Right? Awesome. Yeah, everyone loved speeding on this thing. I love speeding. Uh, yeah. yeah. Speeding rules. I don't think there was an actual speed limit on the bridge. Why would you um, need one? Who cares? So, uh, there was a recommendation by one of the inspectors on the bridge to limit trains to 25 miles an hour. Uh, a lot of times they did 40 or 50 oh, miles an hour. I was going to ask, what was the class speed of a train in 1878 or so? Uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, not in regular operation, but okay. like... Um, that was my question, in regular you were probably, operation. You were probably hitting on, on a well-maintained... Like the upper end of expresses, I would imagine, were doing maybe 60 or 70. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but one of the things that when they went that fast on the bridge, there was a noticeable vibration in it, right? Yeah, uh, women got pregnant and their uteruses fell out. Mm -hmm. People yes. would like asphyxiated from the lack of oxygen. Absolutely. Yes. All the yeah. stuff that we were warned about with uh, railroads going too fast. Yeah, and I, I think there were some measurements taken by an inspector from, I want to say, the Board of Trade while a train crossed its speed that showed the bridge was swaying about two inches if the train went too fast. They, I think it was them who recommended the speed limit, which was not adopted. Yeah, um, a little bit of a shugle. It's a little bit shugle. It's fine. Yeah, it's not a big deal. It's a little bit. You know, it's, it's just a little, a little bit. bit. A bit. Hi, it's Justin. Uh, so this is a commercial for the podcast that you're already listening to. Uh, people are annoyed by these, so let me get to the point. We have this thing called Patreon, right? The deal is you give us two bucks a month, and we give you an extra episode once a month. Uh, sometimes it's a little inconsistent, but, you know, it's two bucks. You get what you pay for. Um, it also gets you our full back catalog of bonus episodes, so you can learn about exciting topics like guns, pickup trucks, or pickup trucks with guns on them. The money we raise through Patreon goes to making sure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. 
Anyway, that's something to consider if you have two bucks to spare each month. Uh, join at patreon.com forward slash WTYP pod. Do it if you want. Or don't. It's your decision, and we respect that. Back to the show. December 28th, 1879. No. <laughs> Everybody's coming home from Christmas. You're in that weird dead zone between Christmas and New Year. Yes. Um, and you're going to go over the Shugley Bridge. Yes. So a huge windstorm hits Scotland, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Sustained wind speeds of 71 miles an hour recorded in Faster Glasgow. Faster than the train. Surely a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> A train from oh, oh God, burnt burnt islands, burnt burnt. Ah, fuck! I don't it, know, Burniston. Burnt. <laughs> it, it, it's a train from the south, Friendsville. Uh, slowed to pick up the token at the south end of the bridge. It was seven thirteen p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two guys in the signal box. Right there's the signal man. And then, and then he just had his friend there for some reason. I don't know. They were hanging out, right? Just vibes. You could just yeah, do just that. Like, yeah. True. Yeah. The, the concept of like no unauthorized last name and Ben Macklemore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The, the the concept of no unauthorized personnel had not been invented well, yet, and it was a better time for it. Scotland, yeah. I love yeah. you. I've never had a bad time in your beautiful country. <laughs> <laughs> there was so, a very pretty girl at the World of Whiskey shop. With uh, <laughs> you know what? It's fine. You move on. Mm-hmm. So, so the signal man logged the time. She was so pretty. His... My dad thought I should have married her. No. <laughs> he was like, you, "You could see. You could probably apply for asylum and try to marry her." <laughs> asylum oh, yeah. on the basis of like what being oppressed for your many She's like so GTI speeding was, crimes. Was, yeah, uh, I I actually have a brief story about that. Uh, my I was doing. I was coming home. Crew doesn't listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, but I was doing in her car a couple days ago. Uh, for those of you who live in the Northeast Corridor, you'll appreciate this. I made it from Newark Airport in Jersey to my house in Philadelphia in an hour flat, doing <sighs> 110 most of the way in a 2018 Toyota RAV4. Uh, under the logic, if it gets impounded, it's not my car. <laughs> I'm, I'm naming the file for this podcast mycrimes.waf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. This is what we call a, a statement against interest. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I have a lawyer. <laughs> he yelled at me when I told him how fast I, I went. <laughs> the lawyer is just my dad. So the signal man logged the time while his friend in the signal box looked out the window as the train sped off. Little J, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he saw sparks flying from the wheels of the train. Uh-oh. A previous train had done the same thing, right? The signal man didn't believe him. Like, hey, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're fucked in the head. The mm-hmm. signal man was, at this point, tending to the fire in the signal box. Both of these guys are yeah. drunk off their ass anyway. Almost certainly. Um, so there was a flash of light, and then darkness. Right? Uh-oh. The the taillights of the train disappeared, right? Um, and then a few minutes later, the uh, telegraph from the other signal box uh, didn't come. 
right? Uh-oh. To indicate the train had gotten off the other side of the bridge. Oh. When the signalman tried to contact the North Signal Box, he found the telegraph didn't work. Oh. Walk it, baby. Yeah. And it's, it's at night, it's cold, there's a howling like gale going. This You've is got to entertain your friend. Yeah, it's, it's a horror story, yeah. And it's Scotland, so it's already been night for like five oh, hours yeah, of course. at this point. In December? No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, so, what, what had, uh, what had what happened, happened was, was. <laughs> all of the high girders had fallen into the river with the train on it, right? Oh, oh that, that's not what you want no, to happen. Not to, ideal. No. Light um, savings, baby. You know, they, 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 they telegraphed for help. People showed up in, like, steam launches and crap pretty quickly, right? But the recovery efforts didn't turn up anything, right? All 59 passengers and crew were killed. Um, well, I mean, and, you're in that train, it just sinks, right? Yeah, and just like, instantly, and, and you know, you're, nobody's you're like doing fucking over. like, uh, like fucking like scuba rescue shit in in eighteen eighty whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and plus, it's probably taking you like, uh, you know, like uh, forty minutes to get up there, and you're like shitty steam launch. You know, yeah. and the, you're like, the, if you if you haven't drowned, yeah. which everybody has, you're dead. Yeah, you're like, dead. Yeah, yeah, like in the water anyway. So uh, yeah, they uh, fifty nine passengers and crew were killed. Uh, that was that's all of them, right? Um, and eventually, uh, when when the waves calmed down, they did send some divers, you know, Victorian divers in like the weird mm-hmm. suits, uh, to go take a look. And they found the train uh, still like just sitting there in the girders, which had fallen into the river. Oof. Uh, yeah. No thanks. So. This is not an ideal situation if you're Sir Thomas Bush. No, because you no. look like a douche. Yeah. <laughs> Got his ass. Yep. Got you him. see here, the, the entire high sec, all the high girders fell on the river. The rest of the bridge stayed up, right? Um, but all the high girder sections fell over. Um, and this is where the blame game starts, right? Because um, it's wild that this engineering marvel, the longest bridge in the world, just up and falls over. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Who do we blame? What punishment did they receive? Wind, guillotine. God, God, God. Guillotine. Uh, investigations reveal cost cutting and generally bad practice at, you know, lots of levels in the construction. <laughs> <laughs> Report comes out that just says we have to guillotine God. You're just like, ah, uh, okay. I think you say so. The, the investigation came up with like, okay, multiple factors contributed to this, but you know, the one everyone cites is just, it was the wind. The wind did it, mm-hmm. right? But Mysterious acts of God's love. Well, there's more going on here. You know, Sir Thomas Bush had supposedly underdesigned for wind, um, and he did sort of underdesign for wind. He, he designed for 10 pounds per square feet of wind, right? Um, I don't know exactly what that corresponds to in wind speed. Stupid um, unit, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. no, no excuse for it. Pounds well, per square foot? What? Pounds per square pounds foot. Pounds per yeah. square inch, yeah. 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 Oh, no, oh. Pounds per square foot is much more useful for structural calculations. Yeah, Just, Alice. Yeah, because pounds per square inch, you have to use very Alice small eats her numbers. Own poop. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> ten, ten pounds. Because he spoke the truth. <laughs> like, if you, if you wanted to convert 
10 pounds per square foot to pounds per square inch, you'd have to divide that by 144, which gives Maybe you... Maybe she's right. Maybe it is a stupid unit. <laughs> see? See, yeah. I was right. You you fucking retract that bit about me eating my own poop. Alice does not eat her own poop. Thank you. Know you. What? No, it's true. She does. She does. I see her. I see her with my own God two eyes. <laughs> if, you, if you do structural loading in America, you you use pounds per square foot. Um... <laughs> To this day. And, and you might eat your own poop. Who's the mm, side? Possibly. Um, so 10 pounds per square foot is much lower than a modern bridge, right? And most bridges sense. at the time, it was designed with a significant factor of safety in addition. Um, you know, back in the time, your factor of safety was like four or five, right? Mm. So you need a really significant wind to knock the bridge over. There was a disagreement among the investigators as to whether that wind would also knock the train over. Um, so there's more stuff at work here, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sort of the forensic evidence indicated something interesting, which is the, the structure fell apart as it fell rather than falling in one piece, right? Because mm. it's sort of the expected behavior of a bridge falling over is that it's going to stay largely in one piece and tip over rather than mm -hmm. breaking apart as it falls. It would break apart when it hits, you know, the water or hits the ground, the, you know, whatever. But this one broke apart as it fell, right? Sure. Um, you know, you can see this. This is one of the piers here. You can see it broke uh, two sections up, right? As opposed to at the base of the columns. Um, mm. But a lot of the other ones broke at the base of the columns, right? Sure. Um, right. And a lot of parts of the, you know, some of the, the structural members you might expect to break did not. So, hmm. for example, this is Pier 5 looking north, right? You can see, here's a section of column. Um, the hold down boat bolts, of course, went through the two courses of masonry. And those have stayed intact and pulled the masonry up with them. Um, you know, rather than... Uh, rather than, let's say, uh, you know, snapping off right at the masonry, right? Mm -hmm. You can see here, here's a column here. You've had something break off at the, uh, at the lugs up here at the top. Um, yeah, it's fucked, but it's not in the way that it should be, or well, that you would expect it's not it to be. necessarily fucked in the way you might expect, yes. Sure. Um, so what sort of happened is owing to a wide variety of deficiencies in the manufacturer, different parts of the bridge, the, the, the structure was not as rigid as it should have been. Right. Cleveland, Cleveland iron. The, the, the Scots were right. Well, no, actually. Really? Damn. So one of the main causes was down to cheaping out on some of the casting process, right? Mm. So, we'll we'll talk about the lugs, right? So these columns are cast iron, right? That means, as implied, they were cast in a mold, right? Um, you know, they 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 pumped a bunch of molten metal in there, waited for it to solidify, and then you know touched it up with bondo afterwards, right? Right, of course. Um, so this is where these lugs—that's this section here, this sort of uh, protrusion. This is where the cross bracing was attached, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's through, you know, you have a rod, you have a nut, you have a nut on the other <laughs> side, right? Yes. 
Yes. Rats and nuts. That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. Um, So the specifications indicated, or actually, I think the specifications did not indicate, but implied these holes were supposed to be drilled, right? That's what you want to do with rats and nuts. Yes. You want to drill the hole for the rod and put the nut on it. Yes. And that's what you want to do in the specification is imply the correct thing to do, but not say it. Well, the foundry at Wormit instead decided we would cast those holes instead of drill them in order to make the casting. This is the place that was controversial among the iron workers, right? uh, No, the Wormit iron workers were had had were were in did not like the iron that came from. uh, Oh, there we go. Okay, sorry, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, was confused. So they cast these holes, and the easiest way to cast them is not to make a cylindrical hole. But a conical one, right? You can see that here. This hole has sort of a conical shape, right? Um, if you looked at that more in section, you know, yeah, the you hole, can pop it out of the cast. Yeah, you can pop it out of the cast really easily if it's conical, as opposed to if it's cylindrical. Um, you're going to wind up damaging the mold. I think this was a sand mold, and then you'd have to make a new mold for each column, right? Which they didn't want to do. Um, so that's much easier for you know the 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 foundry workers and the uh, operator of the foundry and the foreman and everything else is also very common practice at the time they did it everywhere right um you know and you had to uh, like really really you know sort of sort of stand over these people's shoulders and make sure they didn't do it um it was just sort of a a, a, a something that was commonly known at the time is the foundry is going to try and cheap out on this right mm. So here's the problem, right? So you have a you have a pair of cylindrical holes, or excuse me, conical holes. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and you got a rod that goes through them, right? Uh, uh-huh. the, the rod uh-huh. is shaped to the minimum inner diameter, right? Do you not uh-huh. shave my body, please? Thank you. <laughs> and it's Listen, got we, a, re- we respect all mm-hmm. shapes of bridges on this podcast, and it's got a sort of shear force on it, right? From from the uh, from the uh, cross bracing, right? Mm. If these holes were cylindrical, that shear force would be distributed over the whole cylinder. Because it's not, that shear force is concentrated at one point at the oh, end whoa. of the hole. <laughs> Just ab- accidentally making a little shaped charge on each yes. fucking column. Great. Yes. Um, so this was the case with every single hole in the bridge. Double at least on the columns. <laughs> right? Um, now, they also did another thing. To ease construction of the bridge, rather than use a rod that was the full diameter of the hole, they used one slightly smaller. What? Uh, uh, but how is it, like, fixed in there, then? Uh, tension. It's just <laughs> a little bit smaller. You know, it's okay. a little bit. We're not talking hot dog down a hallway here. We're <laughs> <laughs> just to make it easier and quicker to put together, right? Um, now, this did allow a little bit more flexibility in the bridge, and not the good kind either, right? Because mm-hmm. rather than having you know a whole structure, go, a whole whole Damn structure it. that bends, we have sort of a bunch of cast iron parts clanking into each other. Um, 
Um, and this this was used throughout the entire structure, including, I believe, where where the two column sections met each other. There was like a flange. The flange had bolts in it, right, or, or rods. And these are also conical holes on each end, right? You 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 had this whole you had a whole situation here, so to speak, um, mm. where there were just stress concentrations everywhere in the bridge, owing to you know cheaping out at the foundry, right? And improper supervision. Um, now, after the bridge collapsed, they pulled out some of the lugs that had remained intact and uh, the, the inquiry tested, uh, tested them. And four out of the 14 they tested failed at lower than specified loadings, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, a big fuck up on the foundry's part, right? Um, yeah, obviously. But <laughs> But uh, you might think, okay, Bush is off the hook, right? No. But no. Because it's his job to make sure the foundry doesn't fuck up. Yeah, yeah he, he has to kick the laborers up the ass because he's the guy in the top hat. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's the guy in the top hat. He's supposed to make sure. But also, he wrote bad specifications. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's also using this sort of experimental design. Some of the investigators thought, well, you know, this bridge seems a little under, under-designed to start out with, right? That's number one. At least one of them thought that if it had been built as intended, it would still it would still be standing. It wouldn't have fallen over, but it certainly mm. wouldn't have fallen apart as it fell over. That was just an indication of sort of gross under design, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It, get, it so it gets a big frowny face from the engineers is big, the main thing. Big, big frowny face from the investigating engineers. Yeah, um, and you know, so this this was uh, this was clearly. Bush's fault. He, he he fucked up the design. He fucked up construction supervision. Uh, there were also some maintenance issues, I believe. I forget what they were specifically, but some of the some of the maintenance guys were complaining. Yeah, this bridge seems to shake around a little bit. Uh, one of them mentioned a chattering sound, um, which mm. sure sounds like everything's sort of shugly, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, if you like, I said, if you're gonna yeah. do vibes, right, then maybe what some of the vibes that you should have are: does it make weird noises? Is it at least more structurally sound than a tinker toy? Um, <laughs> it's like Meccano, actually. The, yeah. The like, yeah. Hmm. I don't love this. Oh, so you don't love this? Isn't Meccano and Tinker Toys the same thing? I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure. Um, mm. I, ne- I never had Tinker Toys. No, oh, I, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, I had Connects. Connects are like oh, well, it's like, a pl- like plastic Tinker Toys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. So like Lego Technic then? Yes, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So Bush is sort of found to be largely at fault. Um, but I don't think they moved to like formally punish him or anything, but his reputation's fucking ruined, right? Um, yeah, he also quickly moved to like reinforce one of his earlier bridges, the South Esk Viaduct, which had been built similarly, but it was Oh, I bet he fucking did. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. but it was actually found to be too far gone to be fixed, and it was demolished. Um and he was already in pretty poor health at this time, but the inquiry completely broke him. He died October 30th, 1880, at the wow. age of 58. I think just a couple months after the inquiry wrapped up. Mm. Yeah. But that's not the only like lasting 
aftermath of this because yes. this also led to a, a separate disaster oh, uh, when William Topaz McGonagall, uh, possibly the worst poet in history, wrote an ode to commemorate this tragedy oh, entitled simply the Tay Bridge Disaster. Oh no. Uh-oh. Now, it's a long poem, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to read the, the, the first and last stanzas, right? So he begins this poem, Beautiful railway bridge of the silvery Tay, alas, I am very sorry to say oh, no. that 90 lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of 1879. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be remembered for a very long time. This is Ugh. off. This is like me in middle school, man. Uh, and oh my god. Okay, so he he ends this with a little bit of like engineering advice, a little bit of architectural advice. Oh, ill-fated bridge of the Silvery Tay! I must now conclude my lay by telling the world fearlessly, without the least dismay, that your central girders would not have given way. At least many sensible men do say, had they been supported on each side with buttresses, at least many sensible men confesses, for the stronger we our houses do build, the less chance we have of being killed. <laughs> Just you, incredible. Where would you put the but where would you put the buttresses? Off to the sides. The what would they bear the, into? D uh, d d the the gravel, that. the bed gravel. Well, well, are, are, is he just suggesting that you put like some big struts that go all the way down into the water? Yes. He is. Okay. Yes. He, he also got the number of deaths wrong. Um, <laughs> it's it's like it's been called one of the worst poems in the English language, and it took him three tries too. Uh, he wrote two other poems about the same bridge collapse, and they're both fucking awful. Good lord. There are other lasting legacies of this disaster. Um. Fairly quickly, the uh, railway decided that we're going to rebuild, we're going to build a new bridge, right? This is the second right. Tay Bridge. It was built to a much more conservative design by- Still uh, that nice curve in it. Yes, this is by William Henley, Henry Barlow. Um, this is a double track bridge too, better than single track. Um, also, mm -hmm. it actually reuses some of the pieces from the original bridge. Really? Yes, so they took some of the, I think the- the deck girders from the bridge, they cut them in half, they doubled them up, and then they, they put them in for the, the new one, right? Because, you know, they, they took some of the parts that were good. Uh, this is on, I think, either stone or brick piers as opposed to cast iron ones. Um, so yeah, this is still there. It hasn't fallen over. Um, so, better bridge. Mm. But another issue... Twice as good, some would yeah, say. Yes. Another thing is that Thomas Bush was in the process of designing a Firth of Forth crossing at this time, right? Um, so Bush came up with this wild suspension bridge, that's this one on top here. Whoa, right? yeah. I like this. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I wonder if this could have been built. I, my, I suspect no. Um, there, there's, some, there's some very strange other designs that were considered like this suspension bridge you can see the cable goes under the deck um one with chains um there's just really trying some weird shit here yeah trying uh, some which weird. i appreciate 
Um, so North British Railway, of course, fired uh, Sir Thomas Bush from the design team at this point and tried to start. Uh, they're like, okay, we need, we need a new bridge to roughly the same specifications. And one of the sort of informal criteria for this new bridge was not only that it had to be strong, it had to look strong. Right? Ah, because you have like a crisis of confidence from yes. passengers and stuff. Mm -hmm. ah, exactly. I see. So Sir Benjamin Baker and Sir John Fowler proved to be up to the task and built the first, the fourth bridge. Um, I love the fourth rail bridge. It's I it, so it's big. <laughs> yeah, it's so overbuilt. Yeah. And like you, you kind of like if you live in Scotland because it's on every fucking like TV thing like Intercut or whatever. You you kind of get you know bored of seeing it, right? But it's only when you see it from like this angle or like up close, or if you're actually over it, that you realize how fucking like catastrophically like megomaniacally overbuilt it is. Uh, really and I really big. like that. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. I like it because it's big. Mm -hmm. It's a big bridge. It's a hefty boy. Yeah, it's um, very, very hefty. Uh, mm. Another reason why it was this big is that where where the uh, cantilever centers meet the water, that's those are the three locations where bedrock is close enough to the surface to build. Um, well, they think for all they yeah. know, it's still gravel. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, it hasn't fallen over yet. So, <laughs> yeah. Well. We, we we killed a bunch of people, and yep. all it got us was uh, th this bridge, which is very nice, and yes. the worst poem ever written in English. Uh, yeah, I think we're about even on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it all kind of pans out. You know, life <laughs> finds a way. That's what they tell us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, what did we learn? Um, make it don't more rigid and less don't. If you, if you make it too rigid, then it is bad, yeah, but if bad. you make it not rigid enough, that's also, also bad. bad. I would recommend uh, checking your shop drawings to ensure mm -hmm. that the foundry isn't creating conical holes where there should be cylindrical ones. And it, it, I think it was a good thing to move to a model of accountability where uh, the, the guys making the things have to like check their own work instead of it being the job of the guy in the top hat to make sure. Yeah, uh, don't don't make uh, don't make stupid concessions to manufacturability. Uh <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, no, build as designed, exactly yeah. as designed every time. Caveat to that. Uh, Don't do that make, when you, you shouldn't. You, you can <laughs> make smart concessions to manufacturability. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, only change the things when it's smart and will have no negative consequences. Do that if you're a pussy. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. This has been this has been a helpful PSA from your friends. at well, there's your problem. My, my, my official advice is: don't be dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you are us. dumb, don't get caught. Yes. Yeah. And if you do get caught, <laughs> have an alibi. Yeah, <laughs> that is the yeah. damn truth. Mm -hmm. Find somebody else to implicate. Uh, this is the uh, onion model of um, engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D don't make stupid changes. If you do make stupid changes, don't get caught. If you do get caught, have an alibi. And if you don't have an alibi, then find somebody else to blame. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Well, 
We have a segment on this podcast called Safety Third. Shake hands with danger. Greetings to Justin, Alice, Liam, and possible guest. We have a lot of guests in a minute. Uh, uh, we had Garrett on like two weeks ago, Gareth. Yeah, I guess so. True. Gareth Gareth feels like family. He doesn't feel like a guest. That's you know? true. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Mm. Unspoken I, I, fifth I, I, host after the Activate Windows uh, logo is Gareth Dennis. Yes. Love the podcast. My brother got me into it. He's the kind of person who will happily rant about inefficient urban planning for hours, but I am mostly here for the jokes and your radical left agenda. Thank you. Yes. That's the only things that I'm, I'm bringing to this, so... The recent episodes about public education, this one came in a while ago, um, <laughs> Jesus. got me thinking about my own experiences. After some examination, I decided the combination of hilarity and failure stood out enough from the rest of the burning trash pile that is the American public education system. Which I'm doing the, a bonus episode on at some point. The whole thing, yeah. K through 12, baby. To be worthy of a safety third segment. I attended Helena High School in Helena, Montana. Our most notable alumni is L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology. Oh, wow. You know, when you look at someone and you think, you're not racist enough to be in the KKK now, but 40 years ago, you 100% would have been. Sure. Uh, that was the vibe of a concerning number of my classmates. In my U.S. history course, a teacher once had us do a mock congressional debate about abolition and there were several people who were concerningly enthusiastic about role-playing as a Southern senator from the 1850s. Uh, Doing the accent as well, like wearing a seersucker suit to, to class, so... I, just, I, just the racism. I guess just the racism, because the accent and the seersucker suit part sound fun. Um, mm -hmm, I could yeah. do that part. But, just, just pronounce uh, everything like with an H in front of it. Perhaps you could inform me as to why, you know, things of that nature. Why you should have seen that argument before the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I hear location is very important in real estate. The location of Helena High posed several challenges to its function as a school. First off, running along the east side of the school is the busiest road in town, which isn't a highway. The roads on all other sides of the school are limited to school zone speed limits of 15 miles an hour, but this road is not. Its speed limit is 30 miles an hour, with people frequently breaking 40. 40 sounds like a lower boundary to me, I gotta say. Yeah. Um, that's, mm. that's probably an 80 mile an hour road. <laughs> Liam, Liam, Liam in the RAV4. Yeah. Yeah, yeah buddy. As yeah, you might it's not my car. I don't care if it gets impounded. As you might imagine, this led to kids being hit by cars on a semi-regular basis. Not me, not Liam, I have an alibi. <laughs> <laughs> Another issue facing the school is the fact that it was built in what could be argued as a swamp. The school is at a base of a hill with a set of stairs leading down to the main entrance. As you might know, water likes to run downhill and the lowest point is in the school gym. These two... Uh, yeah. It's called a swimming lesson, yeah. you know. Oh, These two facts meant that the gym could flood very easily, which it did. The storage basement of the gym flooded due to simple snowmelt every year I was there. We've, we've accidentally uh, done the bit of the Coliseum where they reenact naval battles. Yeah. That would be a fun gym class, actually. Alright, uh, <laughs> oh, I did that for physics. We had to build cardboard canoes. 
dodgeball, but you're on a trireme. Uh, right. thinking, yeah, I'd be like, you know, you know, you know, in the uh, you know the little scooters with the casters yeah. that they had. Now imagine that, but it's like tiny triremes. You know, oh, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, there would be a massive ventilation tube running out of the gym into the parking lot. We'd have to jump over it as we were doing things during gym class. One year, a water main broke, and the school had to be shut down for a couple days. They worked quickly, quickly to clear the school so classes could resume, but one side of the lawn became a literal swamp for the rest of the year. The biggest disaster Helena High School suffered in my time there was a fire. The fire itself wasn't too bad, but there was severe smoke and water damage. The repairs ended up costing an estimated $3 million. Here's a picture it, of one of the hallways after the fire. Yeah, I was about to ask if I, if this was like <laughs> the, what what had happened what, what, here. Yeah. The cause of the fire in this case was arson. Cool. Three 13-year-old middle school students broke in at night while drunk and started a fire in a janitor's closet. Classic 13-year-old activity. Yeah, I gotta absolutely. Say, these 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 kids had a fuller childhood than I did. Um Oh yeah. <laughs> They then entered a classroom and lit all the posters on fire. One of the night janitors eventually noticed the smoke and called the fire department, who arrived and put out the fire. The young arsonists were caught by the cops attempting to flee the scene. Should have had an alibi. Should have had an alibi. Yeah. No, I was starting another fire. Not this one. (laughs) The disaster was caused by outside actors, so we can't really blame it on the administration. You can, however, blame them for how they handled the aftermath. School was canceled for a whole two days after the fire. After that, we were right back to class. Most of the math and English classrooms were damaged, so the classes had to be moved. English was held mainly in the library, which worked out all right. The math classes, however, were held at the nearby community college, which was across the West Street, not the super dangerous one, thankfully. But you still had dozens of students crossing the street twice every hour to get to and from classes. I was half expecting it to be in the gym, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that was full of, uh, that was full of uh, Greek fire. Um, not regular <laughs> fire, you know. <laughs> All this occurred in the middle of Montana winter, and the weather was almost always below freezing. The five-minute passing period was still enforced, so you never had time to grab a coat before going outside if you wanted to get to class on time. Hmm. It's, no, just run out and get hit by a car. Yeah, just run out get hit by a car instantly. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> and they give, you, they give you a demerit at your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes the 100% attendance racing. Yeah. <laughs> This time limit also incentivized students to dash straight across the street instead of going up a little bit to reach the crosswalk. All of this continued for over two months. I can't help but wonder if it might have been faster to shut down the school for a couple of weeks and work around the clock instead of pausing during school hours. I mean, here's the thing. American educators and American parents, I've, I've learned... Fucking love to send their kids back to school, even when it will kill them. Uh, I've discovered this with COVID. Yeah, I I, I gotta say, like, the fact that the American education system is just, it's basically a daycare, right? 
Um, mm. You know, and it, it's 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 necessary to the function of our two income trap economy, but also like it turns people into psychos. Um, I, everyone involved is just psychotic in some fashion, including the kids. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, you, just you, sort of you coming back around. Because you went to public school, mm. right, Roz? No, I went to private school. That's the, a different yeah, type of psycho. Went to, went to Catholic school, went everybody. To Catholic school, yes. Um, <laughs> and he eats his own poop. <laughs> no, and I don't do that, actually. I've seen you do it. No, what, what I have is uh, intractable shame about every action I've ever done. Oh, you're so handsome, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you very much. Part of the reason it took so long was that during the repairs, traces of asbestos were found, and all that had to be carefully <laughs> cleaned up. I'm just looking at this, and I'm, I'm thinking, traces of asbestos. Hmm. 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 Mm. What size is this tile? <laughs> this is probably all asbestos up this here. This just says more <laughs> fucked on it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's there after a massive fire. Of course it's asbestos. Good point, yeah. That's yeah, why the fire wasn't worse. Um... There was a big yeah, yeah, asbestos like you're welcome. Yeah. There was a big federal effort to get asbestos out of public schools, but Montana had been failing at that pretty consistently. There there are also a couple of other high profile asbestos scandals at Montana schools with asbestos in every school. I think brand new schools just have asbestos in them for old times' sake. Um <laughs> <laughs> But all that happened in the four years I was there. I'm sure Helena High School is still stumbling along, especially with the pandemic. Maybe our public schools should do could do with a tad more funding. And asbestos. Yes. Hope you had fun reading this. Have a nice day. Oh, thank you so much. You. Uh, so, so, sorry about your, your mesothelioma. Yes. Yeah, you're dead already, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. Sorry. If you or a right. loved one have died from mesothelioma, I'm so fucking hungry. Mm. <laughs> All right. That was Safety Third. Shake hands with danger. Our next episode is on the Boston Molasses disaster. Does anybody have any commercials before we go? Listen to Kill James Bond. Listen to Lions Led by Donkeys. Listen to 10,000 Losses. Watch Franklin. Yeah. Listen to uh, the Trash Future. Uh, send send some some ball cosmetics to the the PO box. Uh, yeah. Happy New Year. Uh, depending on when this question comes mark. Up. Yes. yes. Good yeah. luck to you. Yes. Uh, Good luck, you- future future listeners. Uh, listen to uh. No, we we think we covered everything. Yeah. Uh oh. Subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. Yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, Give yeah, us money. Yeah, Give us yes. money. Give us your money. Give us your money. Commercial earlier. There may have been a commercial. Yeah, there was a man who was annoyed about it in the comments. And uh, he could suck my holes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I invite him to suck my holes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. you just gotta put a commercial in your thing because get that's how you make money. Get yeah. down and really lick some bit. Anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. It's Scottish.